thank you for joining Discipleship Conditioning. We like to open our shows with prayer requests. If you have them, please email us at our prayer email, which is prayer at erroretphysiology.com. As we enter the end of March, I believe this is ninth episode, perhaps. I'm losing track already, which is a good thing. We're beginning to conclude the major portions of my story. Uh, Previously, we've talked about um, childhood, parents' divorce, um, sexual addiction, a number of things. And although much more brief than simply the cliff notes, we've covered many of the main things uh, that I would like to cover so that in the beginning of this podcast, you can begin to learn a little bit about who I am. If someone comes across this podcast in a year, I hope they go back and listen to the first episodes to kind of get a backstory on who's speaking to them. More of the story will continue to organically come out, but I'd like to shift to more of an organic uh, dissemination of that story. The reason is as we continue to evolve at Error at Physiology and hone in on what it is we do, we want to focus on strength and conditioning through a biblical lens. Within strength and conditioning, we can talk about nutrition topics, we can talk about weightlifting topics, we can talk about anatomy and physiology, we can talk about stress like we're going to talk about today, and then we're always going to take how the Bible is applicable, which it always is, to the subject matter that we have for the day. So the flow of the show is going to be basically the same, but the content of the show will be more of a strength and conditioning focus and a subset of strength and conditioning depending on the episode. Again, today will be stress and always through a biblical lens. So today the biblical lens that we're going to be looking through is Matthew 6, 25 through 34. As we always do, let's begin with our mission. We serve men between the ages of 20 and 40 primarily who have ever felt persecuted over their God-given qualities. Pretty simple. We do that through our experiences. Strength and conditioning education is a major part of my experience. It is a way that I can help brothers and sisters out there with problems they may have in a way that I am educated and trained and qualified to do. Now, luckily for me, uh, the reason why I went to school is because I'm fascinated with the human body, the human body that God designed. And whenever I was asked in college on what are you going to be when you grow up, I always thought the question was silly because I was dang near 30 at that point in time. But also... I realized that I went to school for very selfish reasons. I started a degree in kinesiology because I was fascinated with how the human body operated. It was as simple as that. That's why I went on to my master's. And it's why now, if I'm lucky enough to obtain a PhD, it'll be in biblical exposition because that's my focus at this point in time. So speaking to that, my experience primarily because I'm the one speaking is going to highlight what I can help with in that field of strength and conditioning. 
For those of you that don't know, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. The abbreviation at the end of my name would be CSCS, which is Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. And that's through an organization called the National Strength and Conditioning Association, NSCA. I receive journals from them on a monthly basis, stay up to date with what is new in the research, and I'll be sharing with you some of those things as we move along, also as it's applicable to helping us. The what we do is still the same. It's anecdotal experiences, but a little bit more highlighted to through anecdotal strength and conditioning experiences and the scholastic truth of the Bible. We teach how God's word impacts every facet of our lives. Again, the why and the answer are the same. We do this because we're faced with a problem of societal influence outweighing biblical influence, which leads to our succumbing of evil tactics intended to destroy us. The answer that we feel that we have is the aim to serve brothers and sisters with authenticity. In the midst of our own change, not at the end of the path, not at the beginning of the path, but in the midst of our own change as well. And this is through our calling in ministry as teachers. We believe that we're called to do this. We are still self-sponsored. The website is erratphysiology.com. If you go there, you can find blog-style articles. You can find nonfiction books. These books are currently donation-only. They are in the process of being written. The one that is picked out from that list to write currently is called A Year Without Television. If you'd like to see one of the other books published, please donate towards that book to cast your vote. Strength and conditioning program design we offer, as I mentioned last episode, we completed a lacrosse and a soccer program that is now up and running. Courses, we're still working on our courses, Bare Bones Anatomy and Bare Bones Physiology. This is the Faith Pace Podcast, which is an offering of our website, which you're listening to. We also offer faith-based coaching, which is on our website if you'd like to meet with us one-on-one. Locally, we have a summer camp for speed, agility, and strength. We're looking forward to that. If you're local to the Idaho area, please reach out at hello at erratphysiology.com. Or if you're interested in any of the offerings that we have, you can reach out at that email or simply visit erratphysiology.com. Today we're getting on fairly quickly to what matters in the Bible, and I hope to continue that pattern moving forward. I think it's important to mold the mission as we go and to continue getting better at business. Um, Yes, this business has been around since 2012, um, but in order to operate this business for the rest of our lives, we need to continue to get better. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a marketer. And so a lot of this uh, mission statement, who, what, where, how, answer sort of thing is outside of my comfort zone. And so it'll continue to evolve and uh, you'll see that episode by episode. And I think that's part of the fun in the journey uh, that we'll get to experience together. You can go back and listen to episode one, listen to episode 100, and you can look and see uh, the change that has occurred, the growth that has occurred, which I think is exciting. So I will in the future try and get through the first section of this with the self-sponsoring and the mission statement and an introductory message within the first eight to ten minutes, let's say. So what matters? The Bible. 
but always. And what matters today is our verse we're focusing on on Matthew 6, 25 through 34. A little bit longer section. Uh, Let me read it to you. I'm sure you've heard it before. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Forgive me for a few hiccups there. Scrambled a couple of words. Um, please go read Matthew six twenty-five through 34 uh, for yourself, as I hope you always do from these podcasts. I've mentioned it before. We title these podcasts based on a application of a verse and the verse name so that you can look into that verse yourself. Credit to my wife for that verse. Last night I was speaking to her about uh, the topic I wanted to speak on, stress, and she found this verse, which is absolutely perfect for what we're going to talk about today. So in our application, we'll take bits and pieces like commentary does, and we will look at sections of the scripture that we've just read. Uh, We're not going to provide our commentary. I feel that's a little outside of what we're called to do. But we are going to share our experience, again, through a strength and conditioning lens and just a general life lens. The first few will definitely be more life lens, and the last one will definitely be more strength and conditioning lens. So the first part I'd like to highlight is do not be anxious about your life. This one speaks to me personally. I I think by nature I'm a control freak. And... I guess I should say I'm a recovering control freak. I think I'm much better these days than I used to be. In fact, I know I am. Um, But I still have a difficult time letting go of things. So many times I want to just grab a hold of my life and say, this business is going to become this, or our family is going to become this, and just kind of take things by the rein. And I think that can be a good thing if it's, motivated by God, if it's led by God. 
But the moment that we take a step past God, I think of it this way. From my experience, I think of God standing where he is. And as soon as we get out of control, we get out of whack, we're walking forward and he just remains still. And I think for me personally, a lot of times I walk forward and I'm 10, 20 feet Heck, sometimes even probably a quarter of a mile or a mile further before I realize God's no longer walking beside me. And I look back, and now I have to turn around shamefully and walk back the distance that I've covered walking by myself to make sure that I'm taking every step with God. So oftentimes when I find myself anxious about my life, it's because... I'm letting myself control my life and forgetting to rely on the creator of the universe. By being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. This reminds me of a student I had in anatomy and physiology a few years ago. And uh, we were talking about her grade and talking about the last few weeks of the semester and what she needed to get with a paper she was writing and what she needed to get on the final to uh, obtain the grade that she was looking after or looking for. And uh, as we began talking about it, I, I was accustomed at that point in time and still am to sort of counseling students on stress and how to manage an academic load and rigorous class and those sorts of things. And as I began talking to her with that sort of general advice that I'd applied to numerous individuals, she kind of chuckled and she shared a bit of advice with me. And it's something that uh, I'm thankful she shared and I still tell to classes uh, to this day. And she said, you know, my mom told me a long time ago, there's no sense in borrowing the stresses of tomorrow. And so as we were forecasting what she needed to get her opinion, her mindset was, I'll do the study that I need and I'll do the preparation, but I'm not going to think forward and borrow those stresses. Those stresses will be there when it's time, but I'm not going to borrow them now because I have enough to work on myself. I forget who says this, um, but the quote is something along the lines of, we suffer more in imagination than in real life. It's an ancient philosopher that says that, and I, I, forgive me for forgetting who it is uh, at this moment in time. We suffer more in imagination than we do in real life. I remember the moment I heard that, and it applies to this biblical verse here. So often I'm looking forward at what is to come, and because I'm generally pessimistic, thinking about it from a negative, stressful standpoint, and how often... In my life, does that come to not even ever occur? And many times that's what happens. What I'm stressing about, what I'm worried about, never even comes to fruition. It never even occurs. And so again, I'm suffering more in imagination than I am in actual real life. And so that student humbled me in that moment and I took advice from her. And I've done my best since then to apply the stresses of today to today and handle them in a biblical fashion, handle them in a mature way, not worrying about the stresses of tomorrow or next week or the week after that. I'm not perfect and I'm still working on it, but it's great advice that we can take home and begin to apply to our lives. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. 
I think it's kind of funny sometimes to think, and maybe funny is not the right word, it's actually shame on us for it, but we, we discount what the creator of the universe has done. You know, if we genuinely believe what the Bible states, specifically in the beginning of times in Genesis, and we adhere to that worldview, that Christian worldview, why do we fret so much about the things in our lives we feel we need to control? I've said this before in a different sort of way, but if we genuinely believe that God created the heavens and the earth, why do we not believe that God can get us a promotion at work? I mean, how asinine does that sound? How egotistical are we to say, no, God, I'm good. I've got it. I can handle it. And totally just ignore his assistance. Totally ignore his wisdom. I don't know. I don't know why we do it as humans. I, I, don't, I don't have a good answer as to why we do it. But we do it. So every time I think about this process as I kind of stumble back upon myself, I find it funny that I'm so focused on what I have to do to accomplish a certain goal and how far down the path I walk. And then I turn around and I look back and I realize I've been walking by the beat of my own drum and I've left God behind me. It's time to go back, ask for grace and start the walk over. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If, if God wants us to cancel this podcast, that's what'll happen. If God wants us to cancel our business, that's what will happen. Right now, we feel called that God wants us to conduct this podcast. I'm sure for a multitude of reasons, and much of that multitude I don't understand currently. But I'm taking an uncomfortable leap of faith to do this because I feel called to do it. But the moment I feel that I am no longer called to do this, I'm not going to continue walking down that path. Now, I hope from a personal selfish standpoint that I'm called to do this for the rest of my life and that I'm called to operate as an entrepreneur in our business the rest of my life. But I must recognize that that's a selfish request. It's a selfish want. And I have to be humble enough to accept that my life is not my life. My life belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, and I turn it over to God, I need to be comfortable with whatever he asks me to do. I think our journey that we'll take together through this podcast and through our business will be a fun story to see how it unfolds, to see what's next, and to see how we grow as individuals and how we practice what we preach and we grow as we speak these words. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love that statement. Again, it ties back in with the previous story of the student uh, and the advice she gave to me. It'll be there. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You can worry about that then. 
But it brings me to the main point of this podcast and how I want to apply sort of a strength and conditioning perspective to this podcast as it ties into the programs that we offer at erroratphysiology.com, the coaching that we offer, and a number of other things that our business is based around as we continue to mold into our niche, mold into what we do best. We're trying to get away from trying to do everything well. Um, We don't want to be a jack of all trades, but a master of none. We recognize that God has given us distinct qualities and our ability to understand the human body is a blessing beyond belief. I oftentimes, as I teach anatomy and physiology to students, um, it just comes so freely and I recognize that it's almost the Holy Spirit working through me, that it's a gift that I've been given, that it's, it's almost not me in a way. It's, it's the joy of the gift that I get to borrow during this lifetime. But if I go down to the automotive shop and I try and pull my 6.4 liter diesel engine apart, I'm not going to have a 6.4 liter diesel engine anymore. It's going to not exist because that's not what I'm, what I'm good at. Um, if I need help with that, I try not to overwhelm one of my dearest friends who uh, lives out west of us in Parma, Idaho. He is an expert in that field. And if I need somebody, he'll be the first that I reach out to uh, in that. So I'm trying to stay in my wheelhouse. We are trying to stay in our wheelhouse and focus on what we do best through a biblical lens. And so I'm really excited to share with you the stress response as it applies to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. We all know the word stress. Many of us don't realize that stress was identified, if you will, uh, in in the 1940s. I want to say that the year was 1943. I'm probably off by a few years than that. Uh, But it was by a German scientist, Hans Seeley. And what he was after was to find the secondary male sex hormone. We know the two female sex hormones. They are estrogen and progesterone. And at that time, we knew about testosterone, but we didn't know about a secondary male sex hormone. Uh, We still don't. But he believed that there was such a hormone and he was going to find it. And so what he did was put mice and rats under stressful conditions to, uh, and not knowing what stress was at that time. You know, I can say he put them under stressful conditions. He put them under conditions he thought would cause a secretion of this hormone that he would be identifying. And what he found was three things in these mice and rats due to stressful conditions. He found uh, bleeding ulcers in the stomach and the duodenum, which is the first part of the small intestine. He found lymphatic atrophy. Atrophy means decreased in size. Lymphatic system is our system associated with immunity, both innate immunity and adaptive immunity. And the third thing that he found is escaping me for the moment, but it was another thing that relates to stress as we know it today. And so they seem obvious for us today, but back then, of course, When nobody used the word stress, uh, it wasn't obvious. 
as we began to study stress more and more and more, and specifically as he began to study stress and what was occurring in these animals due to the stressful environments that he was putting them in, he developed what's called the general adaptation syndrome. And it has three phases, alarm, resistance, recovery, slash exhaustion. I'm going to take you through each of those steps now as it applies to your life. Uh, This is one of the greatest messages that I can give to students. I make sure that I fit it into every class I teach, and I hope and pray that students remember this years afterwards because it's going to change your life. And I hope it changes your life for the better. If not, it'll at least make you more aware. Okay, And there's not a single one of us listening to this podcast or on earth that doesn't succumb to stress more often than we should. To lay out these three stages, alarm, resistance, recovery, and exhaustion, I want to give you an example. You are subject A. You are the first example. Subject B is a zebra. Okay? Got that in your mind? We're going to work from those two subjects moving forward. So in the first stage, the alarm stage, this is when something essentially alarms you. Okay? Let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic. Uh, For the zebra, let's say a lion jumps out. We go into this fight or flight response. There is a sensory input into our brain, whether it be visual or otherwise. And it triggers our brain to send a signal to the adrenal medulla, which is located on top of your kidneys. Or I should say superior to your kidneys. And once that process starts, you can't stop the process. It's a natural phenomenon that occurs. What happens next is the adrenal medulla secretes two hormones, epinephrine, norepinephrine. You probably commonly refer to these hormones as adrenaline. What does adrenaline do? Increases heart rate. It vasoconstricts blood vessels, which increases your blood pressure, increases your stroke volume. We already mentioned increases heart rate. Together, that increases your cardiac output. It gets things moving. Now, the normal average-sized person has about 5 liters of blood in their body. And at rest, cardiac output is really easy to figure out. It's 5 liters per minute. Whatever the number is for cardiac output, that's the number equivalent to the liters of blood within the person. However, when we're outside of rest and we're in stressful conditions, blood cycles more quickly. Now, we can't really change the blood volume, nor would we want to in this instance. You can through blood doping and other things. But in this instance, we wouldn't want to change the blood volume. So that remains 5 liters. But our cardiac output can go to 10, 15, 20, 25 liters per minute, uh, depending on the stressful condition that we're in. So simply put, the blood in your body is cycling through more and more quickly. And again, you can't stop this. Once it's started from that lion popping out or the car cutting you off, it's started. Okay? So we're going to go back to the adrenal glands, but this time we're going to go to the cortex. Blood with epinephrine, norepinephrine has been floating around and eventually makes it back to the adrenal cortex. The adrenal cortex secretes the primary stress hormone you're probably familiar with. It's called cortisol. It also secretes another hormone known as aldosterone, among others, but they don't apply to this story. 
when we release cortisol, what cortisol's job does is very critical, and this is sort of the life-changing message within a message. Cortisol, its job is to increase your blood glucose. Now, why would it do that? Well, God designed the stress response to get you out of a life or death scenario. It puts your nervous system into fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system. You either got to fight your way out of it or you've got to flight. Okay, that's why they call it that. Going back to the zebra example, if a lion comes out at the zebra, is that now a life or death scenario? The answer is yes. So is it a legitimate reason to start the stress response and eventually release cortisol? The answer is also yes. Because if this zebra doesn't get away from the lion, it doesn't exist anymore. Is the person cutting you off in traffic, is that a life or death response? It's not. It's not life or death. Now, if they clip you and you go into the wall, certainly that can turn into a life or death. But the majority of times when people are driving around and they cut people off, um, they're probably a little too close for our comfort, but they feel they have it under control and it's not a life or death scenario. In this instance, it's almost, almost better to be the zebra with a smaller brain because you don't have the ability to apply stress to all these different things. You just apply stress when it's necessary. As a human, thank goodness we have the cerebral cortex and the large developed brain to do the things that we do. But one of the downfalls of having that brain is where we apply the stress. Do me a favor. Uh, whatever day it is, wherever you're at, stop for a moment, maybe pause this podcast. And I want you to stop and think about how many times you've been stressed today. And if you feel like going a little deeper into the exercise, write, write them down. What stressed you out? If you can remember what time, fantastic. Label out the things that have stressed you out today. Now, if you're listening in the morning, your list will be fairly short. If you're listening in the evening, your list will be fairly long. The point remains the same, though. The zebra is stressed once per day, maybe once per week, depending if times are good or not for the zebra. If you're listening to this in the morning, you've probably already answered that you've stressed at least five times. If you're listening to this in the evening, who knows how many times? It could be tens of times. You could even be past 100. There's a problem. The problem lies with this unstoppable response and cortisol where we left off in our story. So what does cortisol do? It increases blood glucose as we mentioned. This is a good thing if it's a life or death scenario. You want to get away from whatever is attacking you or threatening your life. Do you need glucose for that? Yes, you need glucose for your muscles to be able to work mainly anaerobically in this instance. Go through the process of glycolysis, which is the breakdown of glucose, and get away from whatever the threat is. However, if we go back to our example of being cut off by an individual, and that triggers that stress response, and we know that's not a life or death scenario, does your body respond any differently? And the answer is no. Your body still releases the cortisol. Your body still produces or 
transfers as much glucose as it can from the existing tissues in response to the cortisol. Now, here's a question that everybody knows the answer to. What do you do with excess glucose? That's right. You store it as fat. Okay. So, did the zebra have excess glucose? Yes, but it used it getting away, right? So it fulfilled a purpose. You being cut off in traffic gained excess glucose, and did you use it? More than likely, you didn't, okay? Unless you were lucky to be right around the corner from work and you uh, work on the fifth floor of a building and you take the stairs, Okay. Odds are you had a little bit more travel to conduct before you arrived at your destination and you weren't able to use that glucose. Now, I'm not going to give you a time parameter on how fast you have to use the glucose. I personally would even need to do more research on that to figure out a time-specific stamp for you. But the point is, if you stress yourself out or if you allow yourself to be stressed and it's a non-life-or-death scenario where you're going to use the glucose... You are allowing the stress response, and specifically cortisol, to break down healthy tissues to yield glucose. And that's what cortisol does. Think of it as Pac-Man going around your body. Does it break down fat to yield glucose? Yes, as much as it can. And for most of us, we would say that's a good thing. But does it break down muscle tissue as well? Yes, it absolutely does. Which for most of us, we'd say is not such a good thing. And if you answer the previous question correctly that we take excess glucose and we store it as fat, well, then you can blame that person that's cutting you off for making you more fat. You can say that the stress that you are being put under is converting healthy tissue to unhealthy tissue. When I tell my students this, they oftentimes have some funny comments associated with it. I've had students tell me that I'm the reason why they're getting fat uh, because I stress them out so much in class. I've had students that get up in the middle of class and they walk down about a quarter of a mile to the gas station and back to use the glucose because they feel themselves being stressed. And I hope that's an application that you take from this as well. The next time you feel yourself stressed, I hope you go for a walk. Walking is one of the greatest exercises that you can do. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and so I'm going to teach about bench press, pull-ups, all sorts of exercises. But not everybody enjoys that, nor do they need to. The greatest exercise there is, is simply walking. And from a stress coping mechanism, it can utilize that glucose, and it can help you relax and, and recover from this. Okay? So I've got a little off track with my alarm, resistance, exhaustion, recovery sort of thing. But alarm was that first response. It was the stimulus, the lion jumping out, the car cutting you off. The resistance was the cortisol secretion. And the recovery slash exhaustion was the, the come down, if you will, the coming back down to homeostasis and recovery. Now, why is there two names? Why is there recovery and exhaustion? Well, recovery is actually an old term that was one of the original terms in the general adaptation syndrome. 
And that was the idea. What goes up must come down. You have an alarm resistance and you come back down graphically and your hormones come back to their homeostatic levels and you're recovered. So where did exhaustion come in? Well, if you look this up on Google right now, you'll find exhaustion is the third and we hardly ever even say recovery anymore. We just mention exhaustion and it's actually sad the reason why we say exhaustion. It's because we stress so much time after time after time after time again that when we get into that second phase of resistance, okay, we come back down and we start to recover, but guess what? Another alarm and resistance has come up in its place. And five minutes later, something else stresses you out and another alarm and resistance comes into its place. And again, and again, and again, which is part of the reason why I asked you to count how many times you've been stressed today and better yet, write them down and when they occurred. As you can see, if you were to actually write those out, 7 a.m., stressed, 7.05, stressed, 7.12, stressed, 7.21, stressed, you can see that you're never providing the previous stress the ability to recover before you have another stress that comes up into its place. So what happens is you get this plateau, this plateau of stress, if you will. What it is is a plateau of cortisol where you're constantly secreting cortisol because you're chronically stressed. So you have those little Pac-Man going throughout your body constantly delivering you more blood glucose and probably not utilizing that blood glucose as necessary or as we should. So our system becomes exhausted. Now, some may ask, can you develop tolerance to cortisol like you can caffeine or other hormones? The answer is yes, you can. However, you don't want that. The reason you don't want that is when you do face a life or death situation, you want to be able to respond appropriately. And if you are chronically stressed to a point where you have become resistant to cortisol, you no longer have the ability to respond appropriately to the given stress. Simply put, you are less able to survive the life or death scenario because you don't have the endocrinology, the hormones, to support it. Now, for most of us, we live in a pretty safe world. We could argue that point along uh, different subject matters, but all in all, compared to the zebra, we live in a pretty safe world. So that secretion of cortisol plateaued, leading to exhaustion, probably isn't going to rear its head and bite you when it comes to not being able to respond in a life or death scenario because you're not going to experience many life or death scenarios, where it's going to bite you is at the end. And we'll conclude with this. What we know is that stress kills. Stress will kill you. Okay, We don't know how, whether it will manifest as cardiovascular disease, cancer. We don't know how, but it will kill you over time. Okay, Hopefully this has been a very uh, educational um, message, but I'm, I'm realizing a very depressing message as well. But there is hope. And you, you're now aware, you're educated on the stress response. So how can you make it better? 
Hopefully you took a few things from this and you can at least go for a walk, but how can you cope with stress or better yet, not get stressed in the first place? And hopefully that's research that you continue to do for yourself and uh, you, you get better at as you move along. As we sort of exit this anatomy and physiology strength and conditioning lesson that applies to Matthew 6, 25 through 34, I'd like to enter conclusion and remind that when a decision is to be made, I seek prayer, I seek scripture, I seek wise counsel in that order. So when I'm thinking of today's topic, I pray about it. I verify scripture, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and if necessary, I seek wise counsel. Again, if you need prayer, you know where to reach out. And if you need wise counsel or you need to inquire on anything that we've said today or any service that we offer, any product that we offer, you can simply go to erratphysiology.com or reach out at hello at erratphysiology.com. There will be updates to come. Our website's going to change fairly drastically in probably the next six months as we change providers and we really beef up the courses that we're doing. We're really excited about that. But for the customer, for the user, um, you'll notice the website looks differently, but you won't have to go to a different web address. It'll still come at erratphysiology.com. All of that. If you're listening to this months and years later, well, the website's already up and ready to go. And uh, so please enjoy it. Please utilize it in a way that you can be served because that's a big part of our purpose. We feel called to serve you. How can we help you? How can we serve you? And we feel like we're doing a good job of that with everything that we do under our Ararat Physiology umbrella. And lastly, we'll conclude as we always do with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.